Hello, welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm Casey Rossi, your transformative business coach. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Diane Miller, who's a friend of mine and the owner of um, Carriage House Quilts right here in Naples. I've known Diane for years. She used to work with us when we had our gourmet foods company. One thing I absolutely know for sure is Diane is extremely attentive to detail. She is very professional and really wants her art to be as perfect as possible. So I am so thrilled that you're taking time out of your day, Diane, to share with us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and spend time with you, Casey, and everyone else. Ah, that's awesome, Diane. So tell us about your venture. How did you get into Carriage House Quilts? What kind of brought you there? And uh, I think what kind of keeps you there? What keeps you lit up in that arena? Well, as I looked back and reflected, I realized that everything in my life has always been creative. Um, From the time I was little, you could find me with a needle and thread and a little typewriter case right nearby. I was always close to that. I had all those essential art things in there, including crayons and paper. And all through life, my jobs, Angelic Gourmet, your food service, um, that was creative. So I always knew I loved working with fabric. So coming into the quilt shop was an easy maneuver for me because I enjoyed showing others how they could be creative through fibers and fabrics. And that is really what keeps me coming in every day is seeing other people's creations and them coming in and sharing Their creations are part of their life usually, you know. A quilt, when you're making one, oftentimes it's at a time when somebody's graduating, somebody's having a baby, um, you know. So it's usually family-oriented lots of times. So sharing those moments with people when they come in and they're all excited to show me, oh, look at what you helped me pick out these fabrics, and this is what I did with it. And it's just that's what really keeps me coming here is my relationships with other people that come through the shop. That's awesome. And I love the fact that you brought up that a quilt is really kind of like memorializing a special occasion and to be a part of that, like for you to put in your artistic spin or input, because I'm sure your customers come to you with questions about feedback and colors and patterns. And so you almost have a hand in a very special kind of momentum. Yes, yep, we definitely do. They ask for input, um, and I guide and direct them. I try to listen to what they're telling me and then guide them in a direction that lets them choose themselves what they want to do, but yet I've led them that way. Wow, that is very cool. That's one thing, like with food, yes, it was very artistic. And anything that you touched always looked like a machine did it. It was so perfect. It was so, like, just linear and exact and artistic and flowing. But with a quilt, it's something that usually gets passed down from generation to generation. It's something very much 
a part of the whole family's fabric, as you said. So what else kind of brings you um, joy about choosing fabric as a medium to express your creativity? Oh, there's different colors and textures, and there's always new techniques. And I like to explore different directions and even push people in a direction that they might be, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And I just give them that little encouragement that says, yes, you can. You can do it, and you can be successful with it. And if not the first time, the second time. It just builds and there's never a mistake. There's always a creative opportunity. Wow. That's like a life lesson right there. <laughs> that's amazing. It really is. Those are words to live by. So it's just like, keep trying, persevere, you know, learn from your mistakes as an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's really kind of a, a very interesting way to service people. I, I love it. I think that's amazing. Yes. How do people find you? Like, I know the quilting community is really, I don't want to say clicky and, and correct me, but it's very much a community, right? I mean, it's like people know everyone in that area. It's kind of like a little small circle. Is that true? Um, yes, but the more you're in it, the bigger the circle grows and the more people know. Um, we're very fortunate in New York State because we have a lot of groups and guilds and stores available to people. And so it's a bigger community here than some of the other places. Um, so, yes, and I wouldn't say they're clickish, but you do have favorites. You always have a favorite teacher. You always have a favorite shop that just has what you need. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. I, I've been able to learn a little bit about uh, quilting just because one of my clients is a quilter as well. So when I was doing some research for her, I realized like quilting is a billion dollar industry. I had no idea. In fact, in, because I spend so much time in the tech world, um, I, I don't see a lot of the handwork and the, and the crafts that people are actually doing like tactiles. So I was really impressed and really surprised. And um, I learned a lot of new things. I mean, even the demographic, um, my assumption was that it was primarily female. And she was actually saying, actually, there's a really popular um, man instructor. Several men come to this as well. And um, it really opened my eyes. It's, it's really, I loved learning about the new field. Uh, what surprises you or like maybe when you first started, did you have an assumption that kind of like that myth got busted when you really got into it? Um, I'm surprised at the number of people that don't realize how active men are in it. And we're really bringing in the children now too. And young people, you're finding more and more um, avenues and encouragement for them. There's a New York state row by row and now, well, now it's all across the world. It's global at this point. Wow. Um, but when I started, there were only 14 shops in New York State that participated. And they've branched out to reach the children also. And we also give back. One of the rows that I do, it also gives back to the community that I'm in. And so um, I don't know if there was a myth because I'm pretty open and flexible. And I had seen the men and but I know people definitely are preconceived about oh no this is a women's spot and it's like oh no no this is guys and so 
it's been exciting to watch the growth and people realize how vast the quilting world is and how small. And I'm very fortunate to be um, part of a community where some of the oldest teachers and first teachers are friends. You Aww. know, it's just exciting to hear them and listen to them and learn from them also. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that that's trickling into the youth and that the youth care, you know, because I know I have seven nieces and nephews and most of them have their hands and their heads into their screen. So it's their phone and their iPad and their device. So I love that you're bringing art and creativity and math and skills and that hand-eye coordination because those are all wonderful traits that actually um, kind of transfer into life as well. So that's amazing. It is. That's exactly it. And, you know, we were talking about memorializing the quilts and things. I think people and young people realize this is a time in their life and this is a part of them that goes on. And so it's fun to show them how they can take an experience from their T-shirt even and make it into something that will be a memory for a lifetime as wow. they get older and things. So. That's yeah. amazing. What do you think? I mean, the first thing that came to mind when you were just saying that is what, um, how fulfilling it is, you know, what an accomplishment at any age, because these usually take time. So that's one thing too, that we have to kind of slow down. They're not most of the times, right? They're not like an instant project. It's something that you build on over time, maybe work with uh, others. Is that, is that the case? Yes, that's very true. It doesn't always happen instantaneously. I do have projects that I do with people that, you know, within an hour, you can learn a little bit about your sewing machine, a little bit about the skills it takes, and then you can decide, yes, this is for me, or you've got one project done and you leave with it. Uh, most people, it's a launching board. It's amazing to watch them come in to make my one hour bag and then they come back and they're making quilts and um, they come in and they share. It's often referred to as the quilt bar. Mm. And it's because I encourage people to come sit down, make a cup of tea, relax. And, you know, mm. it's a real bonding time among quilters. Whenever you walk into someplace with quilting and other, other arts too, I feel like you've got an instant connection with people and it's just an instant friendship you've got something that you share that's in common so it's mm. it's nice to have a place where people can come and sit down and know they're comfortable they're not judged it's mm. they can be who they are and that's amazing. I love that. You know, they, they talk about how important it is to have a place three. You know, you have your home and you have your work. And, you know, many times people think of Starbucks as your place three. And what you just described would be such a soothing, wonderful, supportive place three. You know, a place that you can just walk into and it feels like everyone knows your name and you can share your project. Um, it feels so community and so much of a network. And I think that um, you know, when you look at a quilt, it's very much like that. They're like all these different colors and patterns and personalities stitched together and networked in order to make the greater whole something beautiful and valuable. And it feels like that just mimics what you do for the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, touches on one of the other things that just keeps me coming in is 
I um, offer some services for quilting that I will never make all the quilts in the world, but I can certainly appreciate the time, the memory, um, the, even the financial investment in these quilts. And so it's fun to be my part of it. You know, I get to add the final creative stitching to some people's quilts mm. and it becomes a part of you. And I like being able to listen and put that last little touch to the quilt that's going to send it home. And my part's just a background part, but it definitely is a finishing touch. And I get to work with a quilt that maybe I will never make, either by choice or because I'm out of time. But I get to do my part in it anyways. That's so cool. I'm sure it keeps you inspired to see all of this kind of richness and patterns and and also probably watching people blossom from, say, one of your beginner courses, like you mentioned, the one-hour make-a-bag course, all the way to, you know, they're going to find something from it, whether it's stress reduction or whether it's just self-satisfaction of like, wow, I created this. You must feel really inspired or maybe even proud to see students go from like the beginner level on. Yes, I do. I, we often joke and we'll say, oh my goodness, my little one is all grown up because it really is watching a flower bloom. And so, you know, they go from the beginning to some of them move on to be quite exceptional quilters mm-hmm. out in the quilt world, whether it's teaching or just designing um, patterns or whatever. But it's fun to watch that blossom happen. And I try not to be overly proud, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that's so exciting that I had my little small part in that. You know, it's their talent that carried them forward, but you know, you had your part in bringing that talent to the surface. I think a lot of great educators feel that exact same way. There is just this innate feeling of proud of your students. So I think that's amazing. Do you find that um, you have people that are interested in kind of monetizing this as an art or do the majority of the people that come to you kind of do it as an outlet or a creative release? It's mainly a creative release or to give to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, They make it for themselves or as a gift. There are some people that definitely um, are turning it to a monetary advantage, but for the people that are here and that I deal with most every day, it's more their own creative release and enjoyment and pass it on to somebody else. And um, That makes they- a lot of sense. What do you think the root desire is for someone to come to quilting and stay with quilting because it requires a lot of time and patience. And like you talked about expense, like what do you think the end result is like that root desire, what draws them and keeps them coming back to that as a craft? I think it's the satisfaction of seeing the completed project and all the colors that come together and work together um, and completing that and being able to give that to someone as a gift Um, When you're thinking about the monetary aspect, I often mention to customers when they come in and they're looking at the cost, just know that you can make something pretty exceptional out of two fat quarters that would cost you $5. Wow. And the value on the market would be so much more and you've given yourself in that project. So you may have spent 
$5, but with an hour's time, you've given something that, yes, it could have a dollar value. You might resell it for 20 or 30 but to the person receiving it, they know the thought that went into that for them, and so it's invaluable. Absolutely. I love handmade gifts. I don't think there's really anything that trumps it. There's so much time. There's so much thought, you know, that the person has put into it. So to me, they, they really trump anything else. I think they're one of the most thoughtful um, presents you could receive. So that's oh, yeah. pretty great. That's yep. awesome. So tell me a little bit about your experience as a solopreneur, as the owner of Carriage House Quilts. Um, we all know that business is kind of like an up and down, like we have our amazing times and then we have our, our times that are hard and times that are struggles, maybe in the first couple of years. Could you share with us and our listeners, what was maybe one of your biggest struggles or current struggles that you've kind of like traversed and, and overcame? Um. I think that sometimes it's, for me, it's been helpful, quote, people that um, sometimes people feel they can give you information on how you can do things better or suggestions. And they mean it sincerely, but sometimes it just, it's not feasible. (laughs) So I lend them an ear and I'll, you know, I'll respond. Sometimes, yes, I have implemented it, but other times I've known that's just not a feasible, whether it's monetarily or just logistically, it's not going to work here. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to know that at the end of the day, I have to be true to myself and do what I think is right and good for the business in spite of suggestions from others. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but some days it is. it does feel a little more personal than other days. And I just have to know that I'm doing what I'm doing and I can sleep at night with integrity at the end of the day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think sometimes when people see the finished product, you know, it's very similar to the quilt. You see this beautiful artistic quilt. That's the finished product. You don't see all the hours and the weeks and the years and the, you know, the cuts and the everything that goes into the behind the scenes, you know. I, I once heard, you know, like um, our life, and I really think of it like our business too, is kind of like the underside of an oriental rug, you know, where there's these zigs and these zags and these frays and these like weird patterns and directions that don't really make sense. And then when you flip it over, it's just like this divine master plan that everything had a purpose, the timing, the turns, it all made such a beautiful pattern at the end. So I think of life and business in that very similarly. And I think you're also very wise that you take it back to your original vision, your original mission of like, how am I going to feel that I'm in alignment with my business and my business goals? And I would assume that that's kind of an interesting balance because as a solopreneur, we want to be very open to feedback. And of course, because our clients really become our family, We want to lend them an ear, as you said. So do you have any advice for people that are maybe struggling with that exact same thing of, okay, well, how do I ride that teeter-totter of being open, listening to my clients, but also at the end of the day, making the decision that feels that's most in alignment to my my business mission or vision? I had to remember that 
I couldn't take it personally. I had to just move on and listen. And like I said, some suggestions work and they're great ideas, but um, I just knew that I had to just kind of let it slide off my back and keep going and do what I knew financially could be done, mm -hmm. uh, realistically could happen. And they aren't privy to all that information and shouldn't be. Um, but, you know, it, it just, I had to, that was a big learning curve is not to take it personal, mm -hmm. that it was meant to help and critiquing sometimes is the best thing, but sometimes it's also the hardest thing to hear as a critique. So um, I had to learn how to take the criticisms and the suggestions and then still not let it bring me down, just know that I could implement only so many and what was right for me and my goals in the business and things. So that is really valuable. I, I love feedback, but I'm also a big believer of strategic feedback. So where you kind of um, offer the opportunity, but in a way that makes sense to you, whether you're providing questions at a specific time, maybe it's after you've held a workshop or something of that nature. I kind of interior like had a little chuckle because of one of our little local cafes on Main Street when they first opened, they had a suggestion box. And that probably lasted about a month. <laughs> and then that suggestion box was no longer to be found. So, you know, it's, a, it's always a very curious thing. But, um, yeah, I'm a huge believer of feedback, strategic feedback especially. And then, as you said, you know, you need to sift through and really not take it personal. And sometimes there's gems, which we're very grateful for. And other times it's like, well, for my position where I'm standing, maybe I'm not going to implement it now or ever. And, and so I commend you for that. I think that we always right. kind of have to keep checking our decisions with our goals. Do you, um, are you a believer of like vision boards or how do you kind of keep moving towards a target? Cause I know you've been in business several years now and that's no easy feat. So what do you think is a, um, kind of a business tip that keeps you kind of moving forward and having that momentum in your business? Well, I'm also fortunate in this business that there's opportunities to go to what's called market where I can be inspired. Um, I have connections with other uh, business people, so I can kind of soundboard with them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I try to, I'm not a fan of trends necessarily, but I like the new things and I like to experience them and share that with others. And so that's always kind of my goal is to, I'm always looking for that next part that will enhance the business. And I don't necessarily, I guess I don't put it on paper, a vision board, mm -hmm. but I do have a direction that I keep aligned. And I have a notebook that I write down you know, classes that we're doing, um, places I'm going. We do a lot of retreats that we organize. And so I have that there, and I can kind of look back and see what works, what didn't work. And then I have like a projection of, okay, this is where I want to go. This is the classes I'd like to be doing and how I'd like to see it happen so that I'm kind of like making a path to follow. That's awesome. 
So that is awesome. I love that. I love that you keep track of what works and what doesn't work or what could have been improved on. I think that that's so valuable. And many times we forget to do that. We just keep looking at the next thing on the to-do list and we forget sometimes to celebrate our wins or to actually look at what didn't go right. So, so how can we improve that? I, I know for my clients, I have a weekly review and that's one of the questions like what didn't go well this week? You know, I mean, there's several questions, but that's one of them. And I think it's important because as you mentioned earlier, mistakes or things that were quote unquote failures are really just opportunities to say, how can I turn this around? How could this have been better? So I love that you do that. And also staying ahead, almost of the, the trends, as you said, but really having your finger on the pulse of your industry through market, and I'm sure your customers appreciate that and they see that. I think that that's um, a very key point that you brought up because in order to stay ahead of the game, we really need to um, keep our eyes wide open and stay curious. And in that kind of playful mindset of how can I bring this back? We may not bring everything back, but it's like, how can I keep things fresh? And I think that's a really big key secret of success because when someone just kind of continues to ride the wave without momentum fueling them, it gets stale and flat very easily. And people can feel that and then you feel it. I think that's also an impetus to burnout when you don't have the fresh juice coming in, you know? Yep. Do you agree? I do. I agree. I think that the new things for everybody because quilting's been around for centuries so new things fresh things um and i kind of have to embrace some things that may not be my favorites so that that way i can show them to others and there you know there has been some changes in the quilt world to accommodate the working moms the working woman to make it faster, easier for them also. And so it's nice to have those different things available, some quick projects, and to stay in tune with that. And definitely by having fresh ideas, it keeps the creative juices going. And I do do a lot of writing. So um, I, yeah, I really need to stay on top of my game there in order to have new projects and, because I, I write and design a lot of them myself that we do here. That's amazing. I love that. That's, that's very inspiring. I'm, I'm, it's very, very cool to kind of get tapped in and, and also to hear that the industry is responding to what their ideal client needs. That is so very important because there may be a deep reverence for quilting's roots and that kind of like whether it's long arm or whether there's a specific pattern or an advanced um, stitch or something of that nature. But if the people coming now are quicker on time, or like you said, working women or whatever the, the reasons are that people are wanting a quick win, I love the fact that the industry is responding because that's how it stays alive. And so I'm not surprised to hear that it is such a thriving industry. Um, we need to listen to our customers and the, how they want to take in their pastime, their education, and just kind of keep up with it. It's a really fast-paced world out there and so sometimes it feels like you're chasing it but I think if you just allow it to come in and also use that your own like you said your own internal guidance system of what to filter what to kind of bring back home I think that's amazing what do you have coming up that people can look forward to like do you have a workshop or a retreat or something you'd like to to uh, share with the listeners 
Um, well, we always have a second Saturday sit and stitch in the month, and it's always at 10 to 12, and there's three of us that work together to make that happen. It was actually just this past Saturday, and we had a wedding that children participated in with stuffed animals, but the goal was to show others ideas for wedding gifts, bridal shower gifts and things, and that particular event every month is always full of teaching and demos and takeaway things that you, you everybody can take something from it no matter what. And we have quick little projects so that that way if somebody wants to stay and make a project, they can go home with something done. And that has definitely been a change in the trends also. Um, I offer private parties because sometimes the women want to come out at night but they want something to show for it, especially if they're a mom and they're leaving the kids with grandma or dad or whoever, they want to come back home with something. And so I put together, I talk to the person that's the hostess and we come up with an idea and I have everything all ready for them so that those people can go home mm -hmm. and feel like their time away, they've had fun with their friends, but yet they've gone home with something that they can give as a gift to, you know, whoever they left behind, use wow. themselves. It's usually very functional. So those are some of the other things that I tend to do is have the private parties. That's um, fun. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, really, what a gift for our community that you're on Main Street. I think it's awesome that you have a creative, constructive outlet. You have something that is such a community builder. You get to talk story and, you know, share the little tidbits of history. I think it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. That's a lot of fun to be able to share with the others and know that sometimes I'm that stop on their way home from someplace and they've got something to share with me that has nothing to do with fabric, but the fabric of life. And yeah. so it's fun to be available for that, too. That is so cool. I love it. So what's the best way if someone's like, hey, I want to do one of those home parties, or I'm, I'm interested in the Saturday event, what's the best way people can reach out to you? They can call the shop. Um, awesome. Do you want me to give my number and everything? Or sure. be available? Or, um, sure. I have an email address. And I have a website that is back up. It awesome. was is back up, and but it is being updated too. So, um, but any of those ways, they can get a hold of me. And awesome! I'll put all the details in the show notes, and I know that you have a Facebook page as well. Yep. I do. So that's awesome. So people have lots of different channels to get a hold of you and come and meet you and come and share stories. And um, if you were to leave us with uh, some bright light wisdom, uh, what could you summarize in a little nugget that we can take away from your wonderful creative quilting business? I just always like, actually, it's what I said earlier, where um, you always have that creative opportunity and then you, you want to operate with integrity so that you know that you've treated others the way you want to be treated and you've helped them that way and they want to come back and you've made yourself available to other people. Because I'm definitely a community type business and so you know I have a lot of contact with customers face to face and things so mm. definitely I like to operate with integrity so I can sleep at night 
And Absolutely. <laughs> and I can attest to that, knowing you from many different years and many different levels, and you absolutely operate in integrity. And I'm sure your business operates in that exact same thread, pun intended. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Diane, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your piece here on Main Street in Naples. I highly encourage people to connect with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to have a chat with me today. Thank you, Casey, for reaching out to me. I enjoyed this chance to get to catch up with you a little bit and share a little bit of my love for fiber. Oh, thank you so much. I'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.